Before I get into today's episode, I have some exciting news to share about a new workshop that focuses on mental preparation for competition. So your dancers are more confident on stage this year. I believe dancers who don't talk about mental skills like culture, confidence, self-talk, and goals won't be able to reach their full potential. I'm sure that's no surprise. I am a mental performance coach. So if you're ready to level up your dancers' mental skills this season, I'd love to work with your teams. If you're listening when this goes live, we are about to enter October and the fourth quarter of 2022. My workshop sessions are already booking out, so I only have room for about four more virtual sessions this semester before the end of the year. But what I really wanted to share was that my new workshop all about mental preparation for competition season is ready to go. I help dancers notice how their behavior right now might be helping them reach their goals or they might be getting in their own way. Then we examine the ideal mental and physical state they want to be in before competition and make sure they have clear strategies for how to reach that ideal state when it's time to take the floor. I truly believe these mental skills may be exactly what your dancers need before their first big event this year. I'd love to work with you and your dancers. So if you'd like to find out more, visit the link in the show notes or search chelseaparati.com slash services and fill out that online form, request more information, and I'd love to chat with you about it. So speaking of preparation, let's get into today's topic. Imagine this with me, if you will. You're lying in bed, just exhausted from a long day. You start thinking about the email you need to send to that one parent. Then you start to fix the opening sequence of your jazz routine in your head because it's not reading the way you want it to. Then you start to calculate how long it will take you to rhinestone one costume and realize you have a lot of late nights ahead of you. Have you ever had those sleepless nights where your head hits the pillow and the to-do list just starts growing, where everything about being this dance educator just keeps playing over and over in your head and you can't shut it off? There were many nights in my 20s during those early coaching and teaching days where I had such a hard time shutting down my brain for the night. If our first big competition was coming up, I would lay in bed thinking about the costume and if I had enough time to get it all ready or if I should add an accessory somewhere. I would re-choreograph a section of the dance in my head because it wasn't working. Uh, A big one for me personally, I would imagine full conversations that I wanted to have with people. I would plan out what I needed to say, imagine all the ways they could respond, and then how I would handle it. Frankly, it's exhausting being in my brain, and I bet there's many of you that can relate. It's so hard to wind it down at night and help my type A brain slow down a bit and go to bed. So if you can relate, this episode is for you. I'm going to share my own method for controlling the mind clutter before bed to ensure better sleep. Plus, of course, share some science about how forgiveness may actually be the key you're looking for. Welcome to the Passion for Dance podcast. I'm Dr. Chelsea, a former professional dancer and dance team coach turned sports psychologist. This podcast focuses on four main pillars, motivation, resilience, mindset, and community. Each week, you'll learn actionable strategies, mindsets, and tips to teach your dancers more than good technique. This is a podcast where we can all make a lasting impact and share our passion for dance. Let's do this. So I need to start this episode with a small disclaimer. Insomnia is a real diagnosis and shouldn't be taken lightly. Same with clinical anxiety, but I'll repeat for the sake of clarity, especially if you're a new listener to the show, that I am not a clinical psychologist. So that's not what I'm talking about here. If you think you might be suffering from a psychological disorder, please reach out to a therapist in your area. Insomnia is real and it needs professional help. 
And in fact, the American Psychological Association reports that roughly one third of adults in the United States have symptoms of insomnia, and six to 10% of adults could be diagnosed with insomnia disorder. So please take care of yourself and seek help if you think you need it, or even if you're not sure if what you're experiencing is insomnia or not, there's help. For many of us though, we may not have a medical disorder that requires that level of assistance, but we still struggle to get enough sleep. And that in and of itself is a serious problem. For most of my twenties, I just dealt with the lack of sleep and figured this is the price I pay for being in school and coaching and trying to have some semblance of a life. But as I got older and wiser, I realized it doesn't have to be that way. And I also think there's a stigma that if you can't shut down your brain at night, it means you're anxious. But I want to clarify something right now. Racing thoughts aren't necessarily anxious thoughts. Let me repeat that. The racing thoughts in your head at night are not the same thing as anxious thoughts. They might be, but it could also be stressed thoughts or even excited thoughts or just replaying your day. And especially in our world as dancers, it could even be a stream of creativity. So shout out to all my choreography friends who get that burst of creativity late at night. So if you have a hard time shutting down at night, it may not be about anxiety at all. But even if it's because you're really excited for what's coming tomorrow, it can still be hard to relax and get to sleep the way we need to. So whether you are anxious, excited, or just replaying your day, there are some helpful suggestions for creating that smoother transition to sleep every night. Before I dive into some concrete tips and ideas, I want to share a research study I recently found about forgiveness and its connection to sleep. If you are someone who replays your day and worries about what you said or did during the day, this might be the mindset reframe you need. It's definitely the one that helped me. I spent a lot of my anxious nights going over a conversation I had had, wishing I had said something different or feeling like I didn't show up the way I was supposed to that day and beating myself up about it. And Dancers, if you're listening and you're someone who gets mad at yourself after a rough practice or a bad class, or you replay a performance over and over and play out alternative endings in your head, then listen into this study. A 2018 study based on a survey of about 1500 adults found a correlation between sound sleep and forgiveness. A correlation simply means they go together. If you express forgiveness, you also have better sleep. Now on the face of it, that sounds like it supports that old adage to not go to bed angry. And that's true. Holding on to anger can make it harder to fall asleep. However, what was really interesting about this study is that it also included self-forgiveness. I bet for many of us, the anger we experience at night is focused inward. We wish we had done or said something differently and we're beating ourselves up over it, making it really hard to fall asleep. So if you carry a lot of self-blame, the key to better sleep could be self-forgiveness. Because if you can forgive yourself for any perceived mistakes today, that can help reduce the negative emotions like anger, regret, and rumination. Instead, forgiveness is that reset that allows you to have a more restful mental state and supports a good night's sleep. Okay, let's talk about some specific things you can do to help you shut down at night And then I'll of course share my personal shutdown routine that I have evolved and come up with over the years in case it offers some inspiration to you. So here's eight small strategies, ideas that you can see what works for you. Number one, you've probably heard this before, but I'm going to say it again, ditch the devices. 
You got to get off our phones late at night, shut down the computer, um, especially for a lot of us that are working, you know, two and three jobs or, you know, students who are at school all the time where you are in front of computers, even late at night and we're working. It's not that we're even aimlessly scrolling social media. We may be working, but we're in front of screens all hours of the day. Medical advice says to avoid that blue light exposure, that blue light comes off of our devices for at least two hours before bed. So for me, I tried to actually shut down the devices about two hours before I go to bed, but I'm going to be real. There are lots of nights where that doesn't happen. I'm either uh, actually working on things. I am scrolling around my phone or I am like watching TV to try to wind down. But regardless, I have that exposure. So if that's true, I do one of two things. If it's a computer or television, I put the blue light glasses on just that little bit to help filter out that light. Or if it's your phone, if you have an Apple device, I know you can set a timer so that it transitions to that like night mode automatically. So I set mine to start at 8 p.m. because I usually start my wind down routine around 10. So that helps me make sure even if I am aimlessly picking up my phone at night, I've at least shifted it to nighttime mode. So think about your evening hours and just that little part of avoiding the blue light at all if you can. And if you have to have it, think about how to change the settings on your devices or wear those blue light glasses. Number two, to help you wind down at night could be take pen to pad, write it out. Uh, There are times when I have a particularly busy kind of world going on around me that actually scheduling some like worry time at night is helpful. I'll say, okay, why is my brain going a mile an hour? Why can't I relax? It's because something's bugging me. So I'm going to take 10 minutes and this is my worry time. I'm just going to write it all down. What am I stressed about? What's on my mind? Why am I so caught up in this? And almost like a journal prompt in itself, that's just my worry time brain dump just getting it out feels so much better. But often I'll take it one step further and look at the brain dump and say, okay, what is one action item I can do tomorrow that will help me ease whatever it is I'm worried about. And often if I have scheduled out just one small thing that I can do the next day that will make some difference that already releases so much stress around it. So schedule some worry time if that helps you. Number three, maintain a consistent sleep schedule. I know we hear that all the time, so much easier said than done, but this is one of those life lessons that I was terrible at for most of my younger self and now have seen the amazing impact that it has to be really consistent. So going to bed and getting up at around the same time every night. It also though, depends on your phase of life. And I just want to pause and say that that's okay, right? Like there are phases where you're going to have more fluctuation and it just is part of what's going on right now. Like when I had small children, I definitely did not sleep consistently where if I was tired one night, I'm just going to bed. If I, you know, baby slept in a little bit, I'm not going to get up at an earlier time. I'm going to stay in bed too, right? So It depends on your phase of life and that's okay. But if you are in a place where you can take more control about consistently getting that same sleep schedule, it does so much for your circadian rhythm to help you sleep every night. Number four, if you're having a hard time at night and you're laying in bed and you're staring at the ceiling and things won't shut down, practice four, four, eight breathing. You may have heard this in various forms of numbers. It doesn't truly matter what the numbers are. I just like 448 because it resonates with dancers. 448 just means deep breath in for four counts, 
hold it at the top for four counts and slow release out for eight. Doing that four in, hold for four, out for eight pattern a few times, you know, maybe four or five times can really help bring your kind of physiology down. It slows your breath uh, and it can help everything kind of relax and calm. So that deep breathing uh, is one great way to kind of reset and be ready for bed. Number five is to do a progressive muscle relaxation, which is like the breathing idea, but going a lot deeper with it. And this is something as a consultant, I will do with dancers, um, you know, have the entire uh, group of them all together, uh, laying down on the floor as I walk them through this, but you can do it at night yourself. And it's just the idea of going through a progression of tensing your muscles and then relaxing them and going progressively through your whole body. So like starting with your fists and you would like squeeze them really tight for a few seconds and then relax it and then squeeze them really tight and relax. And then think about your uh, core or your legs and like just go progressively from your head all the way down to your toes. And I think because dancers are also really good at understanding our different muscle groups and isolating those muscle groups that we tend to be uh, better at this than other athletes in some ways, but we are just able to kind of walk through your whole body of tensing and relaxing your muscles. And you're essentially forcing your body to relax. And as you know, we have really powerful mind body connections. And so sometimes if you can't get your mind to calm down, you just calm your body and your brain will react positively to that and calm itself as well. So if you can't calm your mind, calm your body and the mind will come after it. Number six is to take a soak or take a shower. Uh, that helps many people relax at night. Um, I am someone who enjoys a shower at night. And I think for the longest time, I thought that was weird and I like didn't want to talk about it or felt like it was shameful that I, but I no, I'm not a morning person. I don't like it. And actually showering late at night helps my relaxation routine. So I will have dimmer lights and, you know, have sometimes different music playing and like it's its own whole own relaxation process um, that really helps me sleep well. Number seven is to schedule out your to-do list with specific times. Now, this is something I'm going to give a little bit of an example about and share that uh, no joke, this has completely changed everything about my evening routine and my levels of stress. And I want to first shout out that I learned this method from my friend, Kelly Nolan. I will tag her in the show notes. You want to make sure you check it out. It's called the bright method. And when she taught me how to schedule out my to-do list with specific times, it just immediately relieves so much stress. So basically what this means is my calendar is color-coded and laid out. Um, I do it digitally now, which I will admit I hate it. I used to love my paper planner, but this is reason enough to go digital for me. So it's all laid out and every single task is in there, right? From picking up the groceries, enter these grades, email these people, you know, edit the podcast, whatever it is that's going on, they're all scheduled from like actual meetings that I have and tasks with my estimates of about how long they're going to take. And the more I do this, the better that gets. And so I can look at my schedule and see exactly what's coming up and how much time I have or don't have. So real life, how this happened, it was actually for today. I had uh, today at the time of this recording is a Tuesday. So yesterday it was a Monday and I uh, kind of woke up. I started going through my day and I had that like I just got shot out of fire hose feeling like it was chaos. I had too many things going on and I could feel 
the stress thoughts that were making it hard for me to be present in my day. And that's not normal for me. Like there was way too much spitting. I was like, okay, this isn't good. What is happening? And I just have a lot coming up in the next two weeks. And it was feeling really pressureful. And so I'm able to look at my calendar. I look at exactly how it's all laid out. And I had about a two and a half hour block of time for something I was going to do today. And I looked at it and I was like, you know what? That really doesn't have to happen today. That was in my calendar or something I would like to get done, but it's really not a big deal. So you know what? I moved it out a whole two weeks. It's not a big deal. It was something that I was like, I wanted it done right now, but in the grand scheme of things, it's okay. I'm moving it in my digital calendar, dragged it over, moved it. And then I took things from the rest of the week that were bleeding into my like evening hours and where I knew I was at a time and I was able to rearrange. And then now I can look at my week and say, see everything that needs to get done has a time and a place for when that's going to happen. I can see that I don't have to work late evenings. (laughs) I can see that, uh, those big tasks for these events coming up are going to get done. And I swear just that, like move that one thing, eliminate it, rearrange a little bit. It completely changed how I felt yesterday. I was able to look at the rest of the week and say, okay, I'm good. And more importantly, that night, instead of going back to work and stressing over all the things, I shut down the devices. I played a board game with my daughter. Like I was able to just have that quiet, more relaxing evening and get ready for bed. So for me, scheduling out that to-do list with specific times using Kelly's Bright Method helped me so, so much in being able to let go of any stress at night so that I know exactly what I have to do tomorrow and I know I have enough time to do it. Lastly, number eight is to just actually create a routine to power down your brain, like a 30-minute bedtime routine. I think this is becoming more popular. People are talking about it a lot, but it wasn't until about you know earlier this year that I really got consistent about like what does this look like and what is what do I need at night so it doesn't matter what you do really it's that you figure out what works for you so here's my 30 minute bedtime routine very simple but I'm very consistent about it so number one is I minimize that blue light exposure I try to shut the devices down if I can't I'm wearing glasses or changing the settings Number two is I review tomorrow's schedule and I adjust it if I need to. So again, I look at that calendar I was just talking about and often I don't have to do anything to it. It's just a review and it helps my uh, stress brain say, okay, that's what I have to do tomorrow. I'm ready for it all. And I don't do any of the panic stress or like, oh, what is that lecture going to be about? Do I have that video ready? Do I, um, did I send that email? Like none of that is in my brain because I can look at the schedule and say, it's all there. Everything that I needed to remember to do from buying the birthday present for my child's friend to picking up the grocery, like it's all laid out. And so I don't have to hold on to any of that in my brain. So I do a quick review of the schedule, just anything. If I need it, usually just review feels good. Then I do 10 minutes of stretching. Part of that's just my old body, but that feels amazing (laughs) to just take a few minutes and like 10 minutes of stretching feels great. It really helps me calm everything down. And then I take 10 minutes of just kind of the slow self-care stuff at night of cleansing my face and taking care of, you know, teeth and hair. And sometimes that evening shower, like all of that routine with, I have the playlist that I like and just kind of that calm space there. And then I always have about, um, anywhere from like 10 to 45 minutes of reading for fun. And again, that's what works for me. I love reading and I love taking time to read something that is not 
academic uh, late at night. So I will read, and again, it could be 10 minutes, it could be 45, depending on what I'm reading and my level of exhaustion. But that kind of 30 minutes is really consistent every night. So again, the important thing is that your nighttime routine is whatever works for you. If you're someone where prayer or a gratitude journal is helpful, then do that. If you're someone where a cup of tea and a conversation with your partner is a daily evening wind down ritual, then do that. There's no magic in any one particular thing. The magic is in creating a system and sticking to it. Familiarity brings comfort. Once you do it consistently, your brain starts to be conditioned to start winding down at the beginning of your routine. Just as we are conditioned and learned all sorts of things, we start to figure out, okay, when this first part of my routine starts, that's my brain's trigger to say, okay, it's time to start winding down. It's the same reason we have consistent bedtimes and bedtime routines for toddlers. Once you establish the routine, they actually feel more tired and ready for bed at the beginning of the routine because they know what to expect. We can apply the same science to our adult brains that won't shut down. So before I leave you today, I challenge you to choose one thing from this episode that you want to try this week. Do you need to establish a routine and try it? Do you need to set a blue light setting on your phone? Do you want to try to manage your to-do list differently? Whatever it is, choose one thing you want to try and then set a goal to do it four or five nights this week and see what happens. As with any goal, perfection or seven nights a week in this case is probably not a good setup for success where it's not about perfect. Try it most nights this week and then evaluate how you feel and see what worked and what didn't revise and try again. This is one area in our lives where many of us could take more control in order to set us up for success tomorrow. That's ultimately the positive benefit here, besides just better sleep. If you take more control over your evening routine, you'll be better able to focus and put in the work tomorrow, making it more likely you achieve your dreams and are able to be more resilient when things get hard. And I wanna leave you with this. We all have big goals and dreams, and I know you do because you're here and a part of this community. And I have some big goals too that you can really help me achieve. So if you enjoyed the episode or found it helpful, would you please hit subscribe if you haven't already or rate and review the show? There's a link in the show notes to rate the show on whatever platform you're using. I would truly love to see this podcast continue to grow and reach more dense educators. That would really help me out. So this community means everything to me. Thank you so much for being here. I truly hope this helped and will make a difference for you this week. And no matter what, keep sharing your passion for dance with the world.